this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. It's another episode of Action Movie Anatomy, and this one is a very special one. We've been waiting to talk about this movie for a long time, possibly the most anticipated film of 2019, not in the Star Wars or Avengers bracket. We've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We'll see you guys in a second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now... Here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Ooh, wow. There it is. I can't believe we're back in the room together. It has... We... we it's been a long time. It feels, it feels like it's like. been a very long time. My microphone's very loud. I know, mine is too. Um, J-Lo, uh, up in the booth, producer, just throwing to the producer right away. You yep. just turn these headphones down. If you can help us. Uh, granted, I know there's a control down here. I should be able to, it's not numbered. I'm going to keep talking. Um, we're back here to do Action Movie Anatomy. This is a show where we talk about movies on the Popcorn Talk Network. That's perfect for me. Is it? Yeah, that's great. All right. And uh, we are here to talk to you today about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, an official review. Wait, what? Uh, I watched Once Upon a Time in Mexico. You did. Did Johnny Depp be blind? Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Improv. Improv. <laughs> Dude, he improvs in this movie. In this in movie. In this scene. In, in Johnny Depp in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's up, everybody? Uh, we're back. It's exciting to be back in this room. Yeah. Drew was in China. I was somewhere. Um, Everywhere. Yeah, we've we just neither of us have uh, we haven't been we haven't done a show together in weeks. Yeah, no, I know. What's what's always hilarious to me is like I can go on one flight for thirteen hours across the world, uh-huh. and you will have done just as much or more flying in the same amount of time period, just in the states. Yeah, it's a lot of flying. It's uh, <clears throat> it's exhausting, and I am happy that we get to talk about a movie here together in the studio. Uh, this is this is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino's uh, what ninth film? Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be his. Uh, Second to last film, as they say. So they say, and uh, we we have. I was excited about this movie. I actually don't think you were. I think you you kind of felt like you were medium on it. I, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting way to put it because I definitely was excited for it to happen. I love Leo. I love Brad Pitt, and I think when Quentin Tarantino does well, it's a very enjoyable experience. Yeah. But looking at this movie. Looking at the trailers, kind of reading what it was a little bit about, which I tried to stay away from as well, mm-hmm. especially after you had seen it and you told me to like just stay away from yeah, yeah, yeah. from like looking too far into it. Um 
Yeah, I, I didn't want to get my hopes up, is, right. is, I guess was the best way to put it. And I'm glad that I didn't because I still walked away disappointed. And uh, obviously, we're going to get into that. We do want to stay positive on this show, but I am going to be realistic in, the, in in how I felt with the viewing. It's also a spoiler review for everybody watching. <clears throat> yes. Remember, that's... guys, we're, uh, we are going to be spoiling the shit out of this movie for you. So Yeah, and, do you, and, and like, I feel like with this film, the actual it being spoiled does matter. 100%. If you yeah. haven't seen the movie... You shouldn't watch this episode. Yeah. If you plan on seeing it, it'll it'll take away from the experience for you significantly. So, um, yes, but I mean, Tarantino, classically one of the most renowned, famous directors, writers, directors specifically, somebody yeah. who does his own stuff, always has his own vision, and is famous enough and successful enough now financially that he can kind of get the funding to do the movies he wants to make. With this whoever is, he'd like. And this was a big one. I mean, you know, obviously, back in 2012 when he made Django... That was a pretty big deal. Getting getting Leo and Jamie Foxx and, and, you know, getting Christoph Waltz. Like, that movie had a lot of hype behind it, especially considering Glorious was the one, the one before. But Hateful Eight was just a lot of Tarantino regulars for the most part. It was yeah. a lot of his guys that he uses. It didn't have a Brad Pitt. It didn't have a Leonardo DiCaprio. It wasn't that movie. And so that movie's pretty polarizing. Some people really like it. Others dislike it. <laughs> Others named Ben Bateman. <laughs> But that was seven years ago. I mean, Hateful Eight was seven years ago. No, no, no. Seven years ago was Django. Oh, so, um, so if you if you what if you consider Hateful Eight to just sort of be a, it wasn't a movie that I felt like made waves. I feel like because I actually liked Hateful Eight. I don't think it was great, <laughs> but I actually have I've I've seen it maybe two or three times now. Wow, I think it's fine. It's Ten hours of your life. It, it really is. I mean, like it, I've only sat down and watched it from beginning to end without moving. Like maybe just the one time in the theaters. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. See, so the Blair Bitch Project says this movie is their favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. It's his most fun movie. I actually feel the exact opposite. I think this might be my least favorite Tarantino movie that he's made. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I'm so excited to hear why. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about yeah. this film. Yeah, we some, get into some positive, some stuff. negative, but. Uh, we talk about action movies on this show. This is action enough. Uh, it's got some action. There's a flamethrower involved. There's a flamethrower involved. You feel it has that. It doesn't have the pacing of an action movie, but it has the suspense almost yeah. of an action movie because you know it's not. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. Going to be a horror movie because that's not what Tarantino does. So you figure it's building. This whole movie felt like one of his scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but for it, sure. yeah. Um, so the movies we talk about on the show generally here are four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Um, it's, a, it's a duo pair. Definitely Brad Pitt plays by his own rules. Yeah. And yeah. Leo doesn't really. He's so. great. Yeah, Leo's just trying to hang on. Uh, rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs in the room. I guess. I mean, they're, they're, they're not the smartest guys in the room really at all. No, and neither is the Manson family in this no. movie. They're actually kind of idiots. Yeah. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Nope. Nope. Rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There's a flamethrower. There is a flamethrower, which is a tiny explosion that becomes a flame. <laughs> when We're gas meets fire. <laughs> when flyer. Uh, yeah, so a couple shout-outs here for our Patreon. A couple pa That's patreon.com slash action. We have Grayson Rodriguez and Erica Chia. We, as always... Salute you. Salute thank you. Thank you so much for your patronage. Um, yeah, thank you so much. So, because um, the funny part about this movie is I feel like if you went into this with no expectation whatsoever, if yeah. you didn't, if it wasn't hyped, 
and you just sat down to watch this movie, not even knowing who directed it. it that's the most important part because you can't not be, you can't not expect something when you hear his name. Because I found myself to be generally pretty engaged the whole movie. I was like, it got a little slow at one moment, but yeah. aside from that, I was like, because how are you not supposed to be engaged when like the writing is funny? You have like these interesting, funny, weird scenes with these great actors. Like, yeah. And, and Margot Robbie, to her credit, is a really good actress, and she's been in a lot of great stuff. Like, she's a star. She's a legitimate star. Yeah, because most of this movie is literally just her doing stuff without saying anything, whether it's just dancing or reacting to her watching a movie. Yeah, I mean. I don't think she was given a very good role in this no, movie. No, not at all. And I have lots to say about that. But um, but in general, I liked a lot of this movie. And so there's there's a lot to talk about on the show. We're going to be talking about our favorite duos, favorite movie duos coming up on the show today, as well as doing overly sieged, underly sieged, properly sieged Quentin Tarantino, as well as all the other fun games, fist pump moment, favorite line, thesis statement, all that fun stuff today on the show. If you guys want to follow along with what we're doing, you can follow me personally at Ben Bateman Media. You guys can follow me at Andrew Guy. You can follow the show at Team Action Show on Twitter. Yeah, there's a couple Facebook groups you can find, Action Army, all about action uh and then we, we have our own youtube channel which is action industries that we do live streams on and post episodes of the action guys our other show we do so go check that out um and one last shout out to you guys really quickly before we get into the full episode i wanted to thank all of you guys for tuning in every week you know talking about talk about action movies here on the show um you're gonna be interested in another one of the shows on this network which is called guilty movie pleasures and you guys actually know this show because they did a crossover episode of this like three years ago yeah um and at the time it was josh mccuga and ben begley um it's, uh, it's a different show now, but it is still co-hosted by Ben Begley as well as Jesse McIntosh. Uh, and they talk about films that are so bad, they're good. And the show is really, really funny. It's super fun. Um, it's every single Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 o'clock Eastern. So check that show out. Guilty Movie Pleasures. We're big fans of those guys. Um, and uh, thanks again for listening. Yeah, you can go back and uh, check Catalog. We did The Taking of Pelham 123 with them. And on their show, we did Monster Squad. Is that right? Yeah, The Monster Squad. The Monster <laughs> Squad, which was which was definitely a guilty movie pleasure it was hilarious so yeah go and check those guys out again that's 6 p.m pacific standard time on tuesdays and the last thing that we got to plug before getting into this is new york city live ben and i are taking this show we're taking the action guys we're taking ourselves maybe ben will play some guitar maybe i'll do some interpretive dancing who knows <laughs> we are going to new york city live on august 29th is that correct august 29th yeah. thursday night yep it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be at the uh, the East Village uh, New York Comedy Club. And, um, yeah, tickets are available online. We're going to have the link down below in the description, probably maybe upon reviewing this. After we walk out of the studio, we'll give the link to the uh, yes the producers. But, yeah, check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you're on the East Coast, you want to drive over, it's going to be a great show. We're like a meet-up afterwards, hang out <laughs> with you guys. So, uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The very first thing we do on the show here is called Thesis Statement. This is your biggest, boldest thought about the film. It's, it's just, you know, this is the best. This is the only. This film would be this. Uh, should never kind of be, you know, my favorite part of this movie is when Margot Robbie is dancing. Um, there's a lot of good conversation like that, but uh, <laughs> but uh, we like to have strong opinions. And yeah. this is kind of what you would say if this movie came up. You want people to know this is your feeling about it. So I'll jump in first and say I believe this would have been a far more successful movie and a better movie had it had nothing to do with the Manson family or the Sharon Tate murders. Now, Murder. do you think... Murderer. do you think it would have been it's either one or the other like it's, it, they either lean into the manson family sharon tate murders more and it's it's in like brad pitt and leo are more of an afterthought or like a side project or do you think they just completely steer clear i don't think you can make the movie that tarantino wants to make 
with like all the quirkiness of these actor like this actor who's just like trying to get work and his like stunt man right i don't think you can make a movie about two super cool white males in the late 60s just like and their hijinks and make that funny and then also have it be a movie about a real life murder of a pregnant woman I just don't think that's entertaining. I think if they had done that, if this whole movie had been like, I gotta get a job, Cliff. And he's right. like, you're Rick fucking Dalton. And they're like, Sharon Tate gets murdered. You'd be like, the tone's wrong, and it's not really very fair to make me laugh and have a lot of fun and then watch a brutal murder of a pregnant woman. That's just not a good movie. Right, and that's <laughs> the thing is, like, if you are, I mean, like, for me, for instance, I, like, I've gone on weird obsessive tangents online reading about like murderers and serial killers i've done it all like the bundys the the Dahmers, and of course the manson family and so i knew who sharon tate was yep and i knew exactly like what had happened to her and, and watching the movie i was kind of like is this am i confusing her i was like i'm not confusing her and right. then you start you seeing couldn't believe it was going to go there right 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 yeah, and right. then you see the hippies you're like oh my god this is exactly what's going on so i don't i don't disagree with you i think what happened was tarantino probably like had half a script and was like, I don't know what what to do to make this movie interesting. Oh, I see. I think, and I don't know, we should probably know that because we're reviewing it. Um, <laughs> I think he probably was like, this time in Hollywood where like the, you know, the innocent, Hollywood lost its innocence, people always say that night. I want to tell the story, the version of the story where she doesn't die. I right. want the I want the version of the story where they get stopped. So I'm going to write that script and I want to make that movie in that time period with the right characters and all of the, that's the story I want to tell. And I think in his mind, in the half-baked idea of, like, I'm going to make... I think it works as yeah. an idea. I, you know, like, Yeah, because he said, you know, back in 2017 that he had a Charles Manson, Manson family movie to make. Yeah. And, you know, I think he ends up probably over the next few years figuring out exactly what he wants to do with that, how he wants to tell that story. And I don't really disagree with what you're saying. I just think that at the end of Inglorious Bastards, when they basically blow Hitler up with a machine gun... Yeah. That's something that we all want to see. Yeah, right. right we right. all hate Hitler, sure. right? He's yeah. a bad guy. I've heard he's done horrible things in my life, right? Yeah, right? No matter how old you are. But, like, stopping Sharon Tate from getting murdered in this sense, it just feels wrong because the whole movie, they've been teasing you. They've been making you think it's going to happen. Even when Pitt goes to the to the the, the farm the or ranch, the, the yeah. ranch, which is a real place, which is really what happened, and, like, the fact that his buddy's not dead. That moment when you see that his friend's not dead, you're yeah. like, oh, man, what is going on? Like, what is happening right now? Where yeah, is this movie going to go? like, this was twenty a 25-minute setup for a nothing payoff. The joke is that there's no payoff. That's yeah. what you just did. Right. And, like, to myself, I'm kind of chuckling. But then I'm also like, you're making an ass out of your audience. I, I really feel like you are. Well, because, right, Brad Pitt's walking in, and you're like, oh, I didn't realize they were going to kill Brad Pitt halfway through this movie. Right, because that's what Tarantino kind of notoriously has done in his films. Right. You're like, oh, man, I, that sucks. I really like him a lot. I'd, so it'd be a bummer to have him die. But it would also be compelling <laughs> and interesting. Right. Instead of just, like, an old guy who's blind and doesn't remember who he is, and he's like, okay, bye. And because you're, when you're thinking to yourself, if he dies, like, what, what is Rick Dalton going to do? He's going to go find him? Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. You're like, what? Well, Rick would do anything, Rick honestly. Rick drink a bunch of pit whiskey sours. <laughs> yeah. Eight whiskey sours. God damn it. Three, four, and have eight. <laughs> See, that's, that's the it. stuff. It's wonderful. That's the I stuff. want that movie. Me too. And that's, what, that's why my thesis is what it is, because I truly believe <laughs> those characters, their relationship, the bromance between uh, Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton is good enough. And not only that, but the story of the time period and all the throwbacks and him going and getting fat in Italy like well and like you saw with La La Land they told this incredibly niche story 
of what it's like to be in LA, yeah. to be an up and coming creative in LA. And like, while you may be living in the Midwest and not quite understand what the journey is like, you still understand the story they're telling. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's like, I think we can still all relate to just a guy who's lost when he used to be on top. Yeah. And it's still incredibly compelling. You don't need to, to Hollywood it up. So as you can tell, I have strong opinions about this film. But see, the, the stuff that you were just laughing, talking yeah, about, like, Leo. Totally. And that's the stuff where I'm like, that's why I gave this movie as good a review as I did. Because and, that, and there was enough of that stuff that kept me, like, I was like, I just, I like that stuff. I like a lot of that stuff. I completely agree, but I feel like it's been wasted on the other half of what this movie focuses on. Because, like, again, that movie for me is golden. And that's kind of what I was expecting. All, this is what I was expecting when I, when I walked in the movie was... A story about these two guys. One used to be on top. One's his basically his sidekick at this point because yeah. he does all of his stunts. I didn't realize that like he doesn't do stunt work anymore, which yeah. I also like that with Kurt Russell and the whole thing. Yeah, I love that he probably did actually kill his wife. Yeah, like that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, um, I want that movie. Right, and then like in the trailer, you see him like I'm fucking Rick Dalton. He cocks the gun. Yeah, and I'm like, well. I don't think they would show us that he's lost it so much that he'd like be robbing a bank. Right. But maybe he'd lost it enough to be pushed to a scenario like the drug deal gone bad in Boogie sure, Nights or something. Right. You something. know what I mean? Yeah, totally. That's what I wanted to see. So all that being said, and I just looked again, and I just had a conversation out there with Steven and Ryan, our two producers. This is Quentin Tarantino's worst movie. Wow. You think even more so than Death Proof? More, more than, than Death Kill Proof. Kill Bill Volume 2. Kill Bill 2. Even Django, which I know that you you are like medium on. I'm medium on. I think Inglorious is great. I think Pulp Fiction is great. We're going to kill Bill. On this week on the Action Guys over on the Collider Podcast Network, we're doing the definitive rankings of all Quentin Tarantino films so that you can go check that out. Also, it'll be a shared list. And we're doing, yeah, we're doing a collaborative list. So I'm sure it won't be in last place. Uh, I'm sure it'll be more towards the middle. I'm sure Hateful Eight's going to be in the last place. Yeah, now. I'm sure it will not be. Uh, but for me, it just is. It just, it's too Tarantino. It's the other thesis I had was that no other prolific director would care to make this movie and no up and comer that for some reason thought this was a good idea would yeah. get the budget or the stars. Only Quentin Tarantino could get the money and the star power and be able to turn all of L.A. back in time. That's not easy to do. It takes a lot of work, a lot of set design, a lot of costume design, a lot of makeup and hair. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable the amount of work it takes. Like a $90 million budget to make this movie with those stars is actually pretty astonishing. Yeah. It really great. is. Um, but for me, it's his worst movie. It, it, it just The payoff in it for me was like... Ha, gotcha. Right. I mean, the parts of this movie that don't work are the parts where it's extremely meandering. This movie kind of just, like, it just sort of weaves, like, in and out of nothing and, like, just goes and goes. And you keep thinking it's going somewhere, and then it doesn't really go anywhere. And the characters that you're rooting for, you're literally rooting for these, like, for this, like, pretty selfish actor. His, like... Who's an alcoholic. Kind of deadbeat, like, assistant stuntman. And they've both <laughs> blown their own careers for yeah. their on their own faults. Yep. You know? And you're kind of just rooting for these two guys. And they're enjoyable characters, but that's the extent of what's good about the movie is that you're rooting for these guys. The yeah. rest of the movie is like, as we said, like it's very meandering. It just sort of goes and it doesn't really do anything or it doesn't really have a point. It's it's just but but again, some movies don't have a <clears throat> point. Like Clerks has no point. Clerks is just a movie about conversations that happen and stores and that's okay because it's not trying to act like it has one clerks is literally from the beginning like the first five minutes you're like okay i get it yeah whereas this movie you're like 
what are they driving towards? What are they driving towards? Oh, Sharon Tate's in it now. Like, oh, wow, Sharon Tate gets murdered by the Manson family. When's the Manson? Oh, there's the hippies. There's the Manson family. This, you know, like, they live next door. Roman yeah, Polanski, right. like, he did some shady shit. Like, yeah, yeah. all these implications of the people and the names and the time, they just fall completely flat for He's me. He's just like, I want to have somebody play Steve McQueen. I want to have somebody play Bruce Lee. I want to yeah. have somebody play Roman Polanski. I want to have somebody play Sharon Tate. It's going to be sweet. And it, and like, again, like all those people that play all those people in the moment where Steve McQueen's sitting at the party talking yeah. about the love triangle is interesting. Yeah, I, I really, like, oh, is this going to go somewhere? <clears throat> nope. Sure isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing. So uh, <sighs> anyway, guys, those are our uh, thesis statements. You did have a thesis statement? Yeah, I just said it's his worst movie. Oh, it's his worst movie. Yeah, yeah it's okay. Um, all right, guys, we're going to be moving through the movie. Uh, we're going to get into fist pump moment, which there actually are a lot of. So There's that's great. And yeah. Because the good shit in this movie is great. Um, let's get into fist pump moment. You want to go first? Fist pump moment, by the way, guys, if you're watching or listening for the very first time, if you don't know, it's that moment something happens in a movie. You kind of look around. You're like, are you seeing this right now? This is so awesome. I'm so hyped. Uh, and there was a bunch of actual moments. Uh, you were in China while I watched this, I think. Yeah. Uh, there was a bunch of moments while I was watching this thinking like, yeah, I wish Drew was here. This is like watching, yeah. actually watching the good moments of this movie with you, I think would have been awesome because I, I think there was a lot of moments with these two stars and the humor. I would love to go back and watch this movie on our, like on a couch yeah. with a drink and like enjoy it, not trying to like analyze or look at or pick apart, yeah. just like yeah. sit back and know exactly what I'm going to get. I think I'll watch it again and it climbs up in the rankings for me, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But that being said, I, I had a few fist pumps. I, I, you know I got a dog. You know I love my dog, and yeah. I love when the dog goes nuts at the end. Brandy, yeah. which is like, it's so incredibly <laughs> gruesomely violent, but it's also amazing. Yeah, I love that. Uh, but I think my actual fist pump moment is the scene that he finally nails. It's so good when Leo oh, oh, finally nails. Cause, yeah, because the whole time you can. This is one thing that you can really tell as a great actor. And if, again, go watch Julianne Moore in in Boogie Nights. Go watch any movie where you're there people acting poorly yeah it's not easy to do when you're a right. great actor because it, it's you got to do you got to go against your instincts so like for the most part leo's not a very good actor in this movie no. not not him being himself but like the actual rick yeah, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. a bad actor yeah totally. um when he nails that scene after his drop lines because he does a great job with dropping those lines and yeah. all the fans great like that all the build up and then obviously the explosion of the trailer was i was laughing my ass off yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it's so sad but also just so like <laughs> true and hilarious he's yelling and screaming yeah embarrass yourself out there you're an alcoholic <laughs> you, i'm gonna blow your fucking brains out and have another drink just, just staring at the and then he drink. drinks it and throws out the trailer just like it's so good but then when he finally goes back and hits the scene he throws the girl on the ground and like you know she's already said that line in the trailer so many times mister that's the best acting i've ever seen in my whole life yeah and so you're kind of like all right what is it gonna be but then he does it and you're just like you feel good you're happy for him totally you're not gonna kill yourself tonight and he's he's in the fringes with the big mustache he looks ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) so like when the casting director comes in and tells him what he wants him to wear (laughs) wants you to look like a hippie frills and want a big mustache and all that he's he's, uh, 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 uh. (laughs) you want me to look like a hippie I like a stammer yeah I do I, I, I really like Leo and I think that that scene for me was was just like when he nails it, when he hits it, and they cut, and then they, you know, moving on, they only do the one take. Yeah, it was just great. It was like you felt you felt so good for Rick in that moment. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's the stuff. That's the stuff that's so interesting about this movie. That's great. Like I was into him as as like that character. I liked the failed actor. Yeah, the like he used to be really famous actor. I think my fist pump moment in this movie's got to be 
the uh, Brad Pitt Bruce Lee sequence. The whole entire Kurt Russell stuntman thing. I love when he throws Bruce Lee into the car. When he throws him into the car, it's hilarious. <laughs> and he just destroys the car. And then Zoe Bell comes out. And she's yeah. like, "What did you do to my car?" Ah, shit. I mean, I if I wouldn't have thrown him into it if I knew it was your car. Yeah. <laughs> So funny. I, I love that scene. And uh, I also love that they, they, they never do round three, which is the point. Yeah. I thought when it ended, I was like, so there's going to be a setup for, there has to like be round three at some point. Of Bruce Lee and, but then I was and like, Brad. But that, that's the whole mythos of his character is that, you know, would he have kicked Bruce Lee's ass right. in, in round three? Is that a true story? What? That cl- that, that thing of like Bruce Lee fighting Rick, a guy in set? I don't think Rick, Rick and Cliff are real. I think no. Well, there's a guy named Cliff that got his tire stabbed out at the ranch. Or, like, I read about that. Or I think Ashley read about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the whole part of the guy going out and the tire getting stabbed, that thing actually happened. But she was reading. I wasn't. I just, like, looked over. Oh, interesting. So I don't know if Cliff's real. I don't think he's actually real, but maybe someone like him is. Interesting. Um, But I just wasn't sure. Because there's... That's the other thing when you watch movies like this is they start to blur the lines of reality. So that by the end of it, you're kind of like, okay, I can can get on board with this. I think I had... So I had two fist bumps. That was one of them. I definitely... I definitely think that... Uh, Cliff Booth's my favorite character in this movie. Yeah. I liked Rick a lot, and their relationship's great. But Cliff, just in general, was just, like, a badass. And, like, he just gets the better role. Yeah. He gets the, I mean, he doesn't get the flashier role necessarily, but he gets the cooler role. Yeah, he's the cool guy. Um, the other fist pump for me, and this is a funny one, and I'm sure you thought about this and noticed it, too. I was like, it's clear that Brad Pitt's still in pretty great shape. But I was like, he's, like, in his mid-50s now. Yeah. I think he might be, like, 52, 53. Yeah, he's definitely... I mean, you can see it on him. And I was thinking, I was like, are they going to give Brad Pitt a shirtless scene in his mid-50s? I was thinking about it when the movie started. I was like, I just wonder, because it's like, he's just not... that He's not in movies that many, that often anymore. Right. When he is in movies, he's usually not in movies that are, like, real, like, you're supposed to look like the sexy guy. Like, he doesn't do those roles that much anymore. And I was thinking about... Like, think about him in, in like, Moneyball, or think about him yeah. in, like, you know, the big short, like... He's just not that guy anymore. But he does get his shirtless. But he does, and the and the theater, the critics I was with, there was some audible laughs. Fifty five. He's fifty five years old. Fifty five. There were some audible laughs in the theaters when he took his shirt off, and I just was, I just thought it was funny. I was like, because everyone was waiting for it. You think? Kind of, and also, but when it happens, it was like, I feel like critics, those of us that think about movies and talk about movies as much as we do, you can't really go into this movie and see him like dressed the way he's dressed without thinking like. Are they going to use him that way or not? And they totally do. At least just for one scene. Yeah. And I wonder whose idea it was. Do you think it was his idea? Do you think it was Tarantino's idea? I think it was Tarantino's. I think Tarantino's like, we got to have you shirtless, Brad. Or we got to have you shirtless, Brad. Yeah. Uh, do you... I know that you, you've you been much more medium on Brad Pitt than I have through his career. Like, you, don't, I like a kind of adore Brad Pitt. Yeah. And you've always been like, I think he's a little overrated. I don't dislike him. I, I do like him. But yeah. how do you feel about, like, him and his career moving forward after seeing this movie? Would you like to see him in more film films? I like Brad Pitt a lot. I think he's yeah. one of the he's definitely one of the biggest movie stars of our lifetime. Hundred um, percent. And he's been active since eighty seven. We weren't even born. Yeah. And he's been great in a lot of the things he's been great in. Um I like him going all the way back to like Thelma and Louise all yeah. through most of his career. Uh I think he's a guy that doesn't have he doesn't have the range that people that are renowned and as famous as him have like there are people that have more range that have done different stuff he's like it's hard to forget that he's brad pitt most of the time yeah but like i also feel that way with leo now too really like when's the last time you saw leo and you didn't like even in the revenant i still was just like oh yeah leo's super cold yeah (laughs) and grizzled and grizzled he's got a beard that's a real heart he's eating why who knows he had a real heart he had like a real 
Like when he was out in the wilderness eating that, it was like real. A bear's heart? Yeah, whatever. Not what the bear. He, what did he eat? Like a like a deer's heart or a liver or something. Like the liver maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Leo. <laughs> Look, man, if you eat this heart, you're gonna win an Oscar. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God, if you eat it, you'll you'll win an Oscar. <laughs> and you gotta be really cold. Yeah. <laughs> Look, just stay out here naked all night, <laughs> almost freeze to death, and eat this heart. Eat this heart. I'll write an article got about you. it. Probably got you an Oscar. I'm gonna be in my heated tent. <laughs> uh, yeah. So th- those are our fist pump moments. I know that uh, I actually I'd ask Ashley like what her what was her fist pump moment while watching. I was like, you know, when we sit down, you got to think of these these three three things. Yeah. What's your favorite line? What's your fist pump? What's your thesis? Oh, she's like, okay. And I was like, you don't have to actively <laughs> think about it, but just if it pops in your head. And she's like, when he gets the flamethrower. When he gets the flamethrower at the end, it's like, because so like. I talked to one of our uh, a friend of ours, and, and she was telling me that um, she's like the movie was was good and interesting, but then there was a scene that was so violent I had to look away. Yeah, and I was like, so I actually really hated that she told me that because the whole movie I was waiting for it. I've already was waiting for it because it's Tarantino. Yeah. He always does it. Yeah, yeah. But like then when he hits the guy in the face after the tire, and I was like, was that it? That's a lot of blood, and like yeah. it was a little unnecessary. But I can't see her being that squeamish. And then when the scene actually happened in the theater. I'd say half of the audience was like, oh, God, like looking, you know, the whole yeah. like, yeah, like looking through their fingers thing. But when the flamethrower came out, everyone was just dying laughing. Yeah, amazing. Because when he turns it on, he's like kind of scared using it. It's perfect. Yeah. It's the the flamethrower angle, like there was a lot of this. That's what that's where like so much of the stuff in this movie. I think I got fooled into thinking this movie was great when I walked out of it because of because of how much I enjoyed so much of that stuff. Yeah. It's the actual movie itself as a full product, as a full story. That's not very good. That that's what I it lost almost a full point for me once I walked out. Like in the days that passed, I think I started off by giving it like an eight, eight point one. It's probably more like a seven point two, two, three, four for me, kind of in there. Cause that's the other thing, is like I don't when I say it's his worst movie, I know that that sounds incredibly harsh, but like this dude is one of the most respected directors ever. Yeah. Period. Totally. And you go and you look through his 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 filmography and the other movies that pop up are the ones that you say. It's like Kill Bill Volume 2, Death Proof. Some people don't like L.A. Confidential that much. I mean, not L.A. Confidential. Jackie um, Brown. Jackie Brown. Yeah. Um, which I, I think is fine. Yeah, I don't love good. Jackie Brown, but yeah. Snyder's it, top three, Jackie Brown. Really? Loves it. That's crazy. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where, like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I, I love so much of what happens in this film, but I just hate the way that it ends. I hate I hate the whole thing as a, as a product. So I understand what you're saying. And like last night, I called you after I got out, and you're like, just sleep on it and, and see how you feel in the morning. And I felt like more upset by it. <laughs> I mean, the stuff that doesn't work about this movie is bad. Well, Bibiani wrote an article about this. His review is that this is an absolute steaming pile of shit. You really? Know? Oh, Bibiani gave it a skate, like an F. Like he hates This it. movie's the number 72 ranked film on IMDb's top 250. That might be the moment. This might be the moment after four years of doing this show where I'm completely on board with you. That list is dog shit. It's a useless list. It's, it's a useless a, list. It's just a popularity contest. It is. So wait, so Bi- I mean, I don't want to just get in and reread Bibiani's thing. We got a lot of stuff to work through, but what were his biggest I didn't read the review. Just, I recorded a podcast with him last week uh-huh. on Critically Acclaimed, and it was top 10 comic book movies, which, by the way, did I tell you what his number two comic book movie of all time is? The Mask of Zorro. Yes, he loves it. He's come, he's got to come on for that. That's that's it makes. Yes. We haven't done that on the show, and he's obsessed. He, he was like, I told him, I was like, I've never seen it, and also, do you tell him I love it? Yeah, oh yeah. I was like, Drew, like he, the dies for that movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> one thing we can agree on, Bibbs. Uh All right, let's keep moving. Um, but uh, anyway, when I was there doing that, he told me that um, 
he just hated it. He thought it was awful. Yeah. Huh. Um, so uh, <clears throat> anyway, things. let's get into star profiles. We're going to talk about Brad Pitt. So his last three films, Deadpool 2, he's got the cameo as the Vanisher. So awesome. Uh, we've got War Machine 2017. That's the Netflix movie. The uh, It's like a war or something, right? It's like he's yeah, got gray hair. And... Did you watch it? No. Me neither. I heard it was fine. I can't get on board yet with the, the Netflix originals. I, I just don't I don't care enough. I don't know what it is. I, I know they're real movies. I know eventually there's going to be a time when I probably have to go back and catch up on Bird Box and all these like Velvet Buzzsaw and all these movies because they have great actors. Yeah, I've heard Velvet's fine. <clears throat> I watched Bird Box. It, yeah. was, it was whatever. It was super overhyped. Yeah. I will say that their series are great. Yeah. Like yeah. I've heard Chernobyl is absolutely out of this Me world. Too, yeah. I just watched When They See Us. It was heartbreaking and riveting and like... But yeah, I'm the same way. For some reason, Netflix original movies, I'm just like, if this was good enough, it'd be in theaters. Something like that. But yeah. that's not really not true. true. No. no. It's just a perception thing. Yeah. It's an age thing for us. You know, <clears throat> ten, People that are 10 years younger just don't care that. They don't feel the same way at all. Because like, they grew up now with streaming services as the way they consume movies. Yeah. And so when a new movie comes out and it's on their streaming service, they're probably more likely to watch it than to go to the theaters. Well, right. And like it goes immediately to 190 countries around the world 190 countries at the same time you can't Crazy. really do that unless you have a massive massive budget so uh and then the third film that he does allied in 2016 with uh marion cotillard right yeah it's the uh bob zemeckis <clears throat> movie okay, bob zemeckis, bob zemeckis. <laughs> Bobby. Ro- robert for you common folk bobby zemeckis um but uh <clears throat> and then on the other side you got dicaprio's last three films this is crazy i know and he he didn't retire from making movies, but he took a bit of a break to work on like other stuff in his life. This is the first. This is the first DiCaprio movie since his Oscar in 2015. Yeah, it's crazy. It was already four years ago, and he, you know, he does a lot of humanitarian work, a lot of charity work, a lot of like, you know, green, green environmental consciousness out there, which I actually love about him. I love that he uses his voice for that, even though people still kind of like, you know, look down on actors that do yeah. that stuff. But <clears throat> so he did The Revenant in 2015, Wolf of Wall Street in 2013, The Great Gatsby in 2013, which are all great movies. He, he pulls off great performances in all of them. Um, I am starting to feel like I, I need to see him disappear again. And I didn't really see that in The Revenant. Even though I think it's his biggest stretch he's had in a long time. Yeah. I, I want to see like Daniel Day-Lewis level of disappearance. Do you feel like that's been his MO though? Because I look <clears throat> I back. I feel, I feel like I look back to like when adult Leo hit with uh, Gangs and Catch Me If You Can in 02 till about here like wolf would be sort of the end of that decade yeah what are the movies in there that you think of that are like he just became someone else and i didn't see leo none really that's why i want to see it okay like now that he's got his oscar and he's already proven himself as like doing this thing he's done the denzel thing for a long time where he's just like i am this guy in a movie doing a great job i I would love to see him like just character it up a bit you know what i mean put on a Put on like a Zapata a big mustache, mustache. <laughs> yeah. some fringe and a hat. And, and like, honestly, like that scene was one of those moments where I was like, oh, you know what? No, Django. When he, in Django. That he was does. the first time I've seen it in a long time. Where he's like not the same guy He was like all. a disgusting piece of shit with gross teeth and yeah. a racist. And like you wanted to see him die. He was pure evil. Right. Like I loved him in that movie. Me too. I, yeah. thought, I thought him and Samuel L. Jackson had pulled off maybe their best performances in a long, long time he's in that pretty, movie. I would say, even though he's pretty Leo, he as Costigan, he feels like he's... Or not Costigan. You, you're talking about Catch Departed. Me? Departed. Oh, yeah. No, that's Costigan. Yeah, Costigan. He feels yeah. pretty like not like Leo yeah, in that yeah, movie. Yeah, but that was 13 years ago, right? Yeah. 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 I do love that. I mean, obviously, it's one of my favorites. Um now, so that, oh, but, go ahead. But yeah, so I was going to say, like, if you think about, if you think about, like, famous actors that have done stuff like this, obviously, Day-Lewis famously is a guy that's taken a lot of time off. Uh, Hoffman in the 80s uh, made, like, four movies. 
he he made four movies. He won an Oscar for uh, Kramer versus Kramer in '79. Mm-hmm. He had done Midnight Cowboy in the late '60s, and he had had a ton of movies in the '70s. Everything from like Marathon Man to Straw Dogs. Like he was just like uh, you know um, uh, all the President's Men. And he got to the '80s and just didn't work that much. He made like he made like Rain Man. He won the Oscar for that. He made a movie called Family Business. He made like two movies in the earlier part of the 80s but i mean he only made four movies in 10 years so like same same kind of thing Rain Man was 88 right yeah Rain Man's yeah. 88 he's got yeah he's got two other movies in the 80s there but like you know that's that's pretty interesting like that definitely feels like um same same kind of thing where like you're top of your game the world's sort of just like what is this person going to do to impress me more than they already have right and what they do is they just take some time off yeah exactly and then you miss them you want them. So, um, with that being said, we are going to talk about some of our favorite movie duos. Can be guy girl, can be girl girl, can be guy guy. It does not matter. Um, but just two people on screen who you have absolutely adored. Uh, because again, Brad Pitt and Leo, their chemistry in this, their their comedy, their timing, everything was just excellent. So, yeah. uh, you want to hop in with your first one? Yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll go first with Thelma and Louise. Um, so Sarandon and Gina Davis. Yeah. Um, I loved that movie so much. I had I saw it just a few months ago for my 100 Movies I Missed project for the first time, and I reviewed it on Twitter, and I gave that one a really good ranking. Um, that movie's great. It's it's funny. It's heartfelt. They're like this great duo. The age difference is perfect. Um, it's just awesome. I, yeah. I love those characters, and I really enjoyed that movie. I think the humor that they have is terrific, and like the way Gina Davis is like, she's like this cooped up housewife, and she's going and having fun. And Sarandon's a little older, but she's kind of like almost like maternal to her. She almost feels like she's her mom in some right, ways. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, mine's stepmom, another Susan Sarandon endeavor <laughs> with her and Julia Roberts, also known as Gina Davis's older sister. No, um, my first one is going to be. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to Pitt. It's gonna be Brad Pitt and Edward Norton in Fight, in, Club. In Fight Club. Tyler Durden and Tyler Durden and Tyler Durden in the narrator. Yeah, it's one of my absolute favorites. I love their chemistry in it. from the moment they meet on the plane till the end of the film when he blows his own brain out. They're just excellent together. I, I so love good. Them. Yeah. Um, it's one of my absolute favorite duos in film. So my number two is going to be Jules and <clears throat> Vincent Travolta and Sam Jackson from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, there you go. One of the great duos of all time. Uh, I think. I just think like. They show up in the car, driving, talking about like McDonald's in Paris for the first time. Oh, yeah. They go and they do obviously the iconic scene, you know, the, with the big Kahuna burger. And then even later, when they, you know, when they're in the car and there's the accidental gun goes off and having to clean the body yeah, up, yeah, it's and so stuff good. in the diner at the end. I mean, just as a duo, they're just a great, great duo. Yeah, they have incredible chemistry, and and that's like that's that's what I love about Tarantino. Like that tracking shot of them walking up the apartment complex to going and waiting and then going back to the door, like. It's so good. It's so well written, so well acted. Um, that being said, I'm going to go with uh, Neo and Trinity. Ah, it's one of my favorites. She's the badass. Totally. He's the damsel in distress. She carries him through the whole movie, all the way up till the end, where she's like, "Look, it's my ship. I know him. I'm going. You're shutting up." Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah, she's great. And the love. Uh, next <clears> up, <throat> I'm going to go Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, Fat Sweaty Crowe. Yes. Uh, in The Nice Guys, one of my favorite films from just a couple years ago. Um, just just the best, those two. So good. Yeah, I, I love when he falls asleep on, in the pool, when he finally tells him the story. It's, it's so <laughs> Are <you> good. sleeping? <laughs> um, I have to go uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. I got a comedy one that I'll rival you with here, and it's Chris Farley and David Spade and Tommy Boy. Ah. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. It's way better. They're both so They're good. They're so good. They're both so good. But yeah, Farrell, or I mean Farley and, and Spade are just just the absolute best. I've got another duo, comedy duo. Okay. Philippe and 
<laughs> McGruber, maybe Will Forte, anybody? McGruber. I love them together. Except for honestly, it should really more. It, it's actually not Philippe and, and, and Forte. It's Val Kilmer and Will Forte. Yeah, totally. Their chemistry together and just in that movie are are unmatched. But they're not a duo. There's, they're not a duo. Yeah, yeah so you got to go Philippe. Which but they I, have I have a similar. I have a similar knows? thing where you where. Uh, where it should be probably it should be Jason Statham and Melissa McCarthy and Spy, but I'm gonna yeah. say Melissa McCarthy and Rose Byrne. Uh, Rose Byrne might be the best part of the movie. She I, Statham is amazing. He's so funny, but I actually think Rose Byrne might be funnier. Reina, the hair. The more you go back and watch <laughs> it, it's she is perfect in every scene. Incredible. What does she call them? Like her two crazy aunts, aunts at some point, like when they're like walking, because because the the other like. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Her you know friend. What, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't remember exactly what she calls him, but with like we're two psychotic ants, I die every time I watch that scene. Like, and and I mean, unless McCarthy, where she like throws the gun at the Swedish guy, and then she just, you know what I'm talking about? She has the scene. Yeah, you Swedish fuck. <laughs> we need to, do, we need to do that on the show. No, that has to be done on the show. I'm shocked we have it with how much we've movies. talked about one it. One of my favorite movies. Um, how many more do we have? One each. That's my five. That's your five. So I got one more. Uh, my last one, I think. I think it has to be, it's got to be Diggler and Rothschild. Yeah. They're so good. Again, John C. Riley makes my list twice. I also wanted to just like Jonah Hill in anything, whether he's with Michael Sarah, whether he's with Brad Pitt, whether he's with Leo. Leo, yeah. Le- him and Leo, though, is amazing. <laughs> the cousin scene. The cousin scene is. <laughs> I heard you fuck your cousin. <laughs> I was just thinking, I could I can let somebody else fuck her. But if I was going to fuck my Come cousin, on. it's got to be me. It's got to be right, Jordan, right? <laughs> and the whole time, Jordan's just like, <laughs> he's like disgusted by it. That, that movie, that movie to me, when I'm on rewatch every time, it's depraved. I think it gets better every time I watch it. It's it is, and it's like it's depraved in the sense, kind of like how Wedding Crashers is now when you watch it. Like it's like two like a lot of pretty disgusting people, yeah, yeah. but they get exactly what's coming to them. Whereas in Wedding Crashers, they get a happy ending. Yeah, and it's weird too. Like the scene at the end of Wolf when he's got the ankle bracelet on and he has to be sober and he's home. Yeah, like Donnie comes to see him and he's like, "I'm drinking these like non-alcoholic beers," and he's like. How is it? He's like boring. He's like, ah, it's good to see you, Donnie. And you're like, oh yeah, these are like regular people. Yeah, they're like fucked up people, but they like these are like he's gonna be sober and go live a different life, and he's just gonna continue living his fucked up life. And like, there's just people that exist in the world, yeah. having a normal conversation like you'd have with someone. That was like, I remember watching that the last time and thinking to myself, like, this seems like a cartoon, but this is also shit that happens in real life. Yeah, it's. A, I actually really love the way that seems. Yeah, like they the, the, they wrap that up. Um, yeah. So those are our duos. Let us know if we miss any. I see a lot down in here. Jonah Hill and Justin Long, Jay and Silent Bob, Riggs and Murtaugh. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's classic, a classic. classic uh, Brad sure. Pitt and George Clooney as well from uh, Oceans. Yeah. Wahlberg and Farrell from the other guys. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. That one was very very close to making my list. Um, it's been a long time since they've done something that I absolutely love. So <clears throat> we talked about this a little bit earlier. Production development. You know, this is first announced in July of 2017. Um, this is the first film that Tarantino did away from the Harvey Weinstein company, the Weinstein company, um, when he dropped working with him. To secure the rights to distribute this film, Sony Pictures had agreed to Tarantino's demands, which included a $95 million budget, final cut, and extraordinarily cre- an extraordinary creative control, which is... That makes perfect sense for this. Plus 25% of the first dollar gross. So he made a good amount of money because this movie itself, <clears throat> as we get into uh, box offices, already almost made all of its money back. Uh, Pitt, DiCaprio, and Robbie, as well as several other Tarantino regulars, such as Zoe Bell and Kurt Russell, joined the cast between January and June of 2018. And principal photography lasted from June to November around uh, around in Los Angeles, which is actually, it's actually pretty quick. June, July, August, September, medium. Yeah, it's the medium last shot. film to feature Luke Perry. Rest yep. in peace, Luke Perry. R.I.P. Um, yeah, the uh, 
the uh, what was I going to say? I had a friend who worked at Sony at the time they were doing this movie, and would tell me that you know most things at Sony, like you know little details that sneak through, they'd see little quick cuts. He's like nothing. This was. This was like lock and key. It was like so tight. Oh, nothing came out. Yeah, about you this. Get, nobody got to see anything. And it's it is it is so interesting that Tarantino had Final Cut because it makes you wonder. Had he not had Final Cut, you wonder how much shorter this movie would have ended up being. Because yeah. there's a lot of fast. This movie is way too long. Yeah, it's two hours and fifty minutes. Yeah, like in fact, I would argue that basically, almost the entire stuff, the ranch, almost that whole sequence, the whole ranch scene. It's almost entirely irrelevant. It is irrelevant. Yeah, the only part that's relevant is the end that Brad Pitt recognizes the guy yeah. and that like <clears throat> catches them off guard for a second. But other than that, like the the fake out with Bruce Dern just doesn't matter. No, the guy like literally they he could have said something insulting when they got there to this hippie and the hippie could have slashed it's his tire. It. Yep, and then he could have just beaten him up and left. Yep, and it, the whole scene could have been six minutes as opposed to like, like close to twenty. Yeah. yeah, or whatever it was. I agree. This movie was definitely uh definitely a bit too long. Do you know that the guy that plays Tex, um, the actor whose name is not Austin Butler, maybe? Yeah, or? something like that. I just saw his... Um, do you know he's playing Elvis? He got cast. He's a good-looking dude. Yeah, he's the, the, he's the guy in the next biopic. They, really? They, there was like four guys up for it or whatever. Yeah, you look at his... Uh, he's a very good actor. Yeah. I actually was very impressed by him throughout. I was, you know, he's one, he's got he got the crazy eyes. The makeup team did a really good job with that. But yeah, I, I looked at him and I was like, you're incredibly interesting. Yeah. I want more of you yeah. in my life. I like the girl, too. His, uh, the yeah. one that Brad Pitt picks up. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's, she's, I think she's in like a big TV show, like The Leftovers, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so on July 2017, it was announced that Tarantino had written a screenplay for a film about the Manson family murders, which he would direct as his next project. Uh, and he, he actually cast the film before he sent the package out to studios because how, as a studio, do you turn down a Quentin Tarantino movie about Charles Manson murders with Brad Pitt and Leo? You, yeah. just, you just can't. There's, right. there's no way. Um, this movie was produced by David Heyman, Shannon McIntosh, and Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Heyman is most known for securing the rights to Harry Potter in 99 and went on to be a billionaire um, because that's what happens when you do Harry Potter. And um, as we get into product, <clears throat> excuse me, box office and critical, Sony and Columbia, the budget was $95 million. It opened July 26, 2019. It grossed around $40.35 million as of last week. Uh, same, same, uh, it hasn't been released foreign yet. So that's a thing. Yeah, it opens that, in like two weeks. I think yeah. somebody was saying last night on the stream that it's not out there yet. <clears throat> yeah, so it's actually only at 40 plus million around there. So it's about half of its budget back, which is, you know, that's fine. It's going to do, I mean, you see Brad Pitt again in Leo overseas, Quentin Tarantino. It's going to make a lot of money. This movie has an 8.7 on IMDb. Go ahead. The girl was, she's the girl in The Nice Guys in the yellow dress. Oh, that, that's, yeah. Right? I was like, I, oh, I kept looking at her. I was like, I know you, Yeah, man. that's who it is. Okay, got yeah. it, got it. Uh, yeah, this movie's number 72 on IMDb's top 250, so that's a thing that happened. <laughs> Tomato Meter gives it 86%, and the audience gives it 73. Do you want to do Quentin Tarantino over under proper? Um, I think we could probably save it. Yeah. I, I think, because well, I, I actually have a feeling we're going to end up covering Reservoir Dogs at some point, and by the time we do Reservoir Dogs, we won't be like living in the shadow of this yeah. movie's immediate release. We could also do that on the Action Guys if we wanted to as we a could. precursor. We could. That's yeah. very true. Um, we have a uh, question, an AMA question, yeah. uh, that was submitted by somebody here. Yeah. It's so, uh, uh, from we, Henley Ch or, Go ahead. We run a contest every week on the Instagram. Uh, we have an Instagram, Action Industries, that uh, we basically post a story. And if you guys answer the trivia question, um, we still randomly select somebody who answers that trivia question and feature your question on the show. So Andrew is going to read off the AMA question. Yeah, from Harry Chandler, at Chantler67, that's Chantler with a T. What would you want Tarantino to make as his last movie? What would the synopsis be, and who would you cast in it? Also, what is an actor 
you want to work with Tarantino who hasn't done already. I already know who that is for both of us. It's Cage. Nick Cage. It's 100%, 100% Nick Cage. And <clears throat> honestly, for me, if his last movie is a Star Trek movie, I'm totally in. I, I like would totally be okay with that. It's just hard for me to imagine him making a Star Trek movie that doesn't feel like it's poking some amount of fun at Star Trek. Yeah, but like... That's I feel like that's career suicide. I mean, it's Tarantino, so it's hard to commit career yeah. suicide. But like, you don't pick up the Lord of the Rings movies in like ten years from now and then make fun of them, right? You know what I mean? Like, people will murder you. I don't even think it would be like making fun of them. I just think like he tends to have characters in his movies who are kind of dumb or silly. There's like a lot of laughing. Um, maybe, maybe he could do it. I don't know. I, I'm yeah. not sure if I'd want to see Tarantino do a Star Trek movie. That seems. I, he would never get creative control. I he, would love to see him have done the Joker movie that that, cool. that uh, that's happening right now with Joaquin. Yeah, if he did something like that, like if he took a dark origin story from like a villain, like maybe if he did Venom instead. But I don't know. Venom's weird because of the whole like, yeah. talking to yourself thing. But like maybe if he did the if he did that Joker movie, I'd be totally in. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know who I would want to see. I mean, or what uh, what I would want his last movie to be. As far as the synopsis goes, I mean, I I really prefer the old the old Tarantino stuff, like his the initial run, the first three, the like the crime movies. Yeah, I really like those first three crime movies. I like Jackie Brown a lot. I like Pulp Fiction the most, and I like Reservoir Dogs. Um, I enjoy all three of those movies more than almost anything else he's ever done. Like really. There are elements to Kill Bill that I like. I like Inglorious Bastards a lot. Yeah. Um, and there's some of this movie that I like. But I have to convince myself why I like those movies, whereas Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction I just generally like. So I'd love to see him just go back and write an original crime script that's just, that's what he's doing. It, which, like, honestly, it could have just been this movie. Yeah. Even if they kept in the Manson murders and, like, had Rick and Cliff doing something bad that ended up getting them caught up. So it's like they had to protect Sharon Tate, but then they end up going to jail. You know what I mean? Something. Like, something yeah. like that. <clears throat> and I would have been I would have been totally in. So Harry, thank you so very much for your question. Do you have a favorite line or were you not able to pull one your phone out and remember one while you were watching the film? Oh I know, I know exactly what it is. What is it? It was uh when they're coming home <clears throat> from Italy and he's talking he's, he's like in the back of the plane, Cliff was getting drunk or whatever. Yeah. And he's like endless bloody Marys. Yeah, and he's like and he's like, and when you have somebody who's more than a brother, but less than a wife. What do you do? You get good and blind drunk. Yeah, and I was. Yeah. I remember. I was thinking to myself, writing that down. I like the phrase "more than a brother, less than a wife." Yeah, yeah, that's a great line. Uh, yeah, that one, that one stuck with me. Yeah, there's a few of those in there. Honestly, my favorite was just at the very end when he's talking to Sharon Tate's friend. Yeah, he's like, yeah, my, my 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 friend and my wife, and they killed two of them, and then I, I torched the <laughs> other one. So, torched him? Yeah. Uh, well, I got a. I have a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole. The whole thing was just hilarious. I was dying. From the moment he busts out the flamethrower to the end of the movie is just fantastic. And yeah. I can't remember exactly the lines, but it is written perfectly. Yeah. The timing, the comedic timing of it when he's telling him what happened. Because it's like, how do you explain to someone that you just killed someone with a flamethrower in your backyard? <laughs> he's just hanging out downstairs. He's like, sure, I'll come and hang out. Yeah, I'll come hang out. I'll probably get a role now he's in like, Roman Klansky's movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is the payoff of the film. Yeah. It, there's, <clears throat> yeah, so there's a lot about this. I mean... It's all very intentional is the thing about this movie, right? Because Tarantino went on record at some point, some point recently, or some quote was maybe even taken out of context, where he basically just defended Roman Polanski. Do you remember this? Yeah, well, I mean, didn't he kind of, the whole, like, turned his head the other way with the Something. whole Weinstein thing as well? No, not that one. He he pretty quickly dropped Weinstein. I think he I think he said there was stuff he should have been more aware of that. Yeah, it was it was like he, he it was almost like he played 
dumb for a reason, which I also understand. It, like, I, I, we shouldn't even get into this, but like, I get what he was saying. There's just the, the thing Polanski thing was a little. Well, the thing that's interesting about Tarantino is he has Final Cut, and the reason he has Final Cut is because he wants to be able to make specific statements. So, like, take for instance the stuff with Uma Thurman. She's come out in defense of him completely, as saying that like, yeah, you know, she wanted to be there. All the stuff spitting in her face and the car, right? But it's also like that your your actor is unsafe. The car crash. She almost died, right? Like. He throws a little girl improv. He yeah. like, tosses her across the room. She's like, it's okay, I have pads. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of like, you're making a statement. That's the, Your statement you're making is that you're right. You're right? Roman Polanski, kind of making a statement. Yeah, like to have him be this awesome director that lives next door. Like of all the people you could have put next door. Right. Of all the famous directors, just put Kubert next door. Yeah, unless he... Unless Polanski, <clears throat> I mean, well, I mean, he, must, he was he was yeah, married to Sharon yeah, Tate, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's that's part of it. Yeah, that's why you gotta stay away from Sharon Tate. Yeah, but uh, but it's just it's just so interesting, like that Tarantino is so specific with his stuff, like that. You can really his stuff's not accidental. It's all so specific, and he's making sure that he gets to he gets to have what he wants in the movie. Because right, how easy would it be for a studio to to be like to to cut out the take where he throws the girl? Because I'm sure he doesn't throw her in every take. Right. Well, and also they. Uh, they were saying, or the, the the audience was saying here in the chat that this was a lot shorter at all the festivals that he screened it at, and then he added in a lot more time when it, on Final Cut. Oh, interesting. Like, so I think that's very interesting as well. And also... Um, I really like the scene with the little girl, by the way. We haven't talked about that <laughs> oh, at all. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, like I said, that was my fist pump scene. And you talk about the first one where they're just talking yeah. and hanging out. Yeah. yeah. She's great. <laughs> She's really good. That's one of these things. Like you, When you find a really great child actor, yeah. they... He just brings so much. Cause you're like, wow, she's so articulate and she's yeah. so entertaining and she's so yeah. charismatic. And yeah. yeah. Um, someone here was saying, uh, the Blair bitch project. who has been here the whole time. Thank you for hanging out. It says my fave is when Leo tells the little girl actress, it'll happen to you in 15 years. She's like, what? <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm just kidding. Sweetheart. Pumpkin puss. Is it a car? He's like, I don't like names like pumpkin puss, but you're sad right now. So we'll discuss that later. So good. <clears throat> we have three action movie categories, Ben. There are three categories. One's called totally ridiculous. The other's called totally legitimate. And the middle category is ridiculously legitimate, a combination of the other two. Uh, just because we haven't defined it in a while, we'll go as far as and say that movies like Con Air and Face Off and you know John Wick Volume 3, they're, they're silly and ridiculous and over yep. the top, but in the best possible way, and you laugh kind of unintentionally the whole time, but they're also so awesome. We love them. Totally legitimate movies are going to be movies like Gladiator and Lone Survivor and The Fugitive and uh, you know really, really grand grounded, held together, dramatic films um, with, you know, com completely compelling characters. The middle category is like there's, you know, some some ridiculousness, but largely it's held together by one really, really grounded piece. So Ed Harris and The Rock really grounds that movie yeah. or something like that. Bodie, point break. Yes. <laughs> which, uh, which category does this fit into for you? Uh, I think it's totally ridiculous, but not in a bad way. I think yeah. it's kind of what he wanted to do. I think yeah. it's, you know, like you have a scene like that at the end of the movie. <clears throat> it's not like the shootout scene in Inglorious. It's no. not like the beginning of Inglorious. It's not even like the ear cutting off scene in Reservoir. It's just like completely over the top, fantastical to do exactly that. Yeah. And so I feel like it's totally ridiculous, not in a bad way. Um, but yeah, just because it is. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that this movie is totally ridiculous. I agree. With yeah. You. I don't. It's just. I mean. It's. I guess intentional, probably in a lot of cases, but it is just absurd. The whole movie is just kind of absurd, and I mean his stuntman throws Bruce Lee into a car like, yeah. <laughs> and destroys the car. Oh, I think my other favorite line is, uh, if I kill you accidentally, I don't want to do his voice. Like, yeah. I, mean, I, I, uh, that, I would go to jail and he's like, you kill somebody accidentally and 
anything, you go, you to, go jail. to jail. It's they manslaughter. Shit about your hands, and bullshit. <laughs> That's true. That was such a great. The guy that did the Bruce Lee thing too was hilarious. Do you know it, he, he went over to Collider to do to do some stuff, and he, he teaches Roka Karate in a video. I think. Really? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I, think I, I have to watch that. <laughs> that is going to be. I'm actually going to be on Collider Heroes tomorrow. Oh, really? I have no idea what I'm going to do oh, on there. Cool. I don't know anything about comic books. Yeah. Well, you know they. Great. <laughs> I was just like, you should be there instead of me. Uh, okay, we got uh, we got one more category, or one more thing, Ben. Uh, there's only one last thing left to do on the show, and that's called the pitch. Sweet. So we got a actually pretty exciting one, honestly. It's, it's because a good one because it looks sweet. It's totally in the wheelhouse of the show, and this is like this is much more like the old version of the show, the kind of movie that we would do. Yeah, and for what we did today, it feels perfect to go back and do Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw with Black Superman. Dude, it looks sweet. It actually <laughs> like I was so resistant to it, but the more I've seen the trailers and when I've seen them in the big on the big screen, I'm yeah. like, this looks amazing. I mean, Dwayne's Dwayne. He's yeah. Incredible, he really is. And Statham's amazing, and Idris, the, the yeah, trio. I, I know Vanessa Kirby's in this movie. I, too. I was gonna say, I was Vanessa Kirby is one of the things I'm most excited about. Yeah, I think she's she was so captivating in in six, in six and yeah. MI six, and like the way that she kind of acted like you know the old the old uh, Job. So I'm really excited for it. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a super fun episode. You're gonna be in town, right? You're just gone for the screener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. get that. My the screener would have been tomorrow, but uh, maybe I can see if we can we can figure out a way to get you on that. So uh, otherwise, but I'll probably just end up watching it in theaters this weekend. Cool. And uh, yeah, we'll cover it on the show next week. So a big shout out to our generals in the action army. We got Andrew Hayes, Paul Denuzio, Billy Belford, John Getz, John Patterson, Jake Yacoveta, Kyle Grandinetti, Jonathan Peck, Kelsey Kirkland, and Mac wow. Ryan. It's a lot of generals. It's a lot of generals. We're gonna see all you guys in the generals chat that happens. Happens at uh, three fifteen just before we record. Yep. The action guys, you guys are all amazing. Thanks for supporting the show and thanks to Popcorn Talk for being awesome. Like, subscribe, comment. Let us know what you think about this movie so we can continue doing awesome content here on the Popcorn Talk Network. Guys, we salute you. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.